Hi everyone, welcome to the Arsaholics podcast. We have just witnessed uh, an incredible game against uh, Wolves away at Molyneux. We have won 1-0. Uh, I mean, I'm still kind of recovering from it, Mice. So I've got Mice here with me. Mice, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm uh, happy to be back. It's been a while since I've been on a pod, I think, because um, I wasn't on the last one and uh, there's obviously been a big gap since our last game as well. So nice to be back. And yeah, like you said, recording straight after the game. So um, yeah, it was a tense one at the end. So very, very happy and quite surprised, actually, that we come away with a win. Yeah, I mean, just so much to talk about. But again, you know, we should apologise for there just being two of us again. Although this is, seems to be a theme, but Aaron and has um landed back from his honeymoon he he did watch the game <laughs> so you know there is an argument to say that he should have just turned up to the podcast but apparently he's had three hours sleep and you know he was just worried about his his reputation and not being on his game right if he if he was going to be here and sleep deprived and all the rest of it but you've got Mize and myself and uh, let, let's just before we get into the game let's just cover off some of the um some of the uh, important stuff around the lineups, et cetera, just in case, you know, anyone didn't get to catch the game. So, you know, Arsenal had a, had a massive gap between their last game and this one. They've gone out to Dubai, had a fantastic hot weather training camp, come back, and a lot of the players who were out previously, either through suspension or injuries, have have managed to come back. The big, the big name who isn't quite back yet and wasn't deemed fit for this game um, was... Takahiro Tomiyasu he unfortunately couldn't make it uh he's he's not fit yet but he is in training but the lineup that we went with there for Ramsdale in goal Kieran Tierney on the left Cedric on the right Ben White Gabriel self-explanatory in the center midfield Thomas Partey and and Xhaka uh retaining kind of you know coming back as a combination for the first time it feels like in a little while because of suspensions etc Odegaard playing as a 10, Saka and Martinelli uh, in the wide positions and Lacazette up front. So in, in many ways, it's probably an unsurprising lineup, right? Given we knew that Tommy Asu's situation was a bit precarious. Yeah, pretty much. I think, yeah, Tommy Asu was the only question mark. Um, I guess the only interesting thing about um, the selection was he went with Cedric over um, holding at centre-back and pushing Ben White out to right-back as he's done in the last game or like a couple of games ago, I can't remember when, but quite recently um, while Tommy Asu has been out, but kind of understandable really, because if you think about the players that Wolves have got quite, um, quite nippy, tricky players, uh, maybe not the best game to have Rob holding at center back um, and, and Ben White at right back, probably want to keep the the strong center back pairing and, and have a traditional right back at right back like Cedric. It's a really good point, actually. I didn't pick up on that myself. Yeah, so it's an interesting change in strategy there. And it, I guess it shows that Arteta is always really keen to assess the opposition before he's going to make a decision like that. Um, and it's not a case where we have a first choice kind of alternative to, to rectifying the Tommy Asu situation. So that, that's the lineup we went in with. And geez, I mean, we start with 11, but we never finish with 11 these <laughs> days, do we? So we, 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 we finished with 10 men. We played a large chunk of the game with, with 10 men. You know, we've managed to pull off a 1-0 victory. We did manage to score the goal in the first half when we did have 11. It was a, a corner. It was kind of the second ball on the corner that that, that that came through and Gabrielle scored. We can talk about that in a second. But, Mice, just before we get into some of the details, I mean, you know, we played for half an hour or, or so again with 10 men. We'll talk about the sending off itself again later. But, you know, 
Is this a case where we're just getting good at playing with 10 men because it's happening a lot? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think naturally, like they they say it, like, I'm not, I've never been on the inside of a football club to know kind of too much about how, how training um, goes and how it's organised and the situations that um, coaches set up. But the one, of the, one situation that um, seems to be pretty common across all professional football clubs or at that level is, you know, um, playing 11 against 10, 11 against nine, um, you know, trying to defend a lead and, 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 and having that scenario. And, and I guess we seem to be doing that, like you say, in <laughs> it's like on the job experience type of thing. So I guess, yeah, naturally they are going to be getting better at it. Um, it's not ideal. It's obviously not ideal. Um, but I guess what you can see, um, what you definitely can see from this team, and we've seen it multiple occasions, not just when we've gone down by a player or two, but um, in general, the the fight in this team. And, um, you know, I think there's two things, right? There's the ability to be able to set up and defend, um, whether you're trying to defend a draw or a lead away away from home um, in those sorts of games. And then there's also the, the yeah, like I say, the fight and the 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 real passion to not want to concede a goal, if that makes sense, like just wanting to shut out and mm. dealing with everything that came, comes into the box and clearing your lines and, you know, everyone kind of um, on the same page. And it really does feel like that's where the team are at at the moment. Um, I'm not saying that every single game is going to be a defensive masterclass and we're not going to concede goals because we are, but, you know, you can definitely see that trend. Um, and it's, you know... A, a, we, we, we've mentioned it before when we've spoken about it, you know, having a settled kind of back four, back five. Okay, Tommy Asu didn't play today, but um, having, you know, a consistent back two and knowing who your first choice players are, players are in all of those positions must help. And I think, um, you know, it, there's probably a number of factors. The, the, they're playing together regularly. Um, the personnel that we've got, when you look at bringing in players with the kind of attitude of Ramsdale and Ben White, Tierney, um, so yeah, absolutely. Like like I said, it's not ideal going out to ten men um, in these in any game, especially this sort of game. Um, is is I'm sure it's going to cost us if it carries on like this. It has cost us in the past, and I'm sure it will. But um, we managed to kind of ride it out today, which was really really nice to see. Arteta in his post match said a really similar thing. He, I don't know if you heard it, no. but he effectively did say that it's not sustainable to Bad. win games with ten players. It's it's just, it's not going to happen very often. Um, and 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 obviously it's it's clearly not part of any sort of plan whatsoever. But do, you know, you you mentioned passion, which I which I agree with. The defenders and Ramsdale, I've heard in various interviews, have talked about their passion for keeping clean sheets and how much they love defending, which is great to hear. How much also do you think it's to do with belief? Because this team, it's they've seemed to have played a number of games, not just when we've gone down to ten men, but you know other times in the season where they've been under the cosh and they've 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 been able to sustain that pressure and they've been able to come away with a clean sheet. And now more recently with this kind of the ten men, let's call it the ten men era um, for for a little bit. When we had the Liverpool game, for example, at Anfield in the Carling in the I always say Carling <laughs> in the in the Carabao Cup. Yeah where I think it got on everyone's radar. You know, I think then then kind of people outside just the Arsenal fan base were quite quite impressed with this with with this resilience, et cetera, that you know, that we showed in that game. But that's not an isolated incident. You know, that that game is proven, you know, and today is proven it's not isolated. This this bunch of players 
it's for me it's not just a passion thing it feels, like a, it feels like a belief thing it feels like even when they go to 10 men they know if they if they need to keep a clean sheet they are absolutely capable of doing so and it doesn't get to the final five minutes or 10 minutes in injury time or whatever where we're under the cosh and the players feel the inevitable you know the, it, i never get a sense now that they feel like oh the opposition are going to score and it all gets a bit desperate i feel like it's a very composed um, set of players who really truly believe they're going to keep a clean sheet I and mean, how much do you think that's down to Arteta and the coaching staff and how much do you think it's down to the, the types of characters themselves that we have in the team yeah I think it's down to all of those things um completely um like I think uh when you look at um the team that Arteta took over a couple it's been two years now so yeah a couple of years ago um number one personnel like he's reshaped the squad reshaped the team like I mentioned before the back five is now a back five that um you know no there's no like questions asked about who would be starting you know if Tommy S is fit today um we know who we know it's a settled um defensive line settled goalkeeper um so absolutely that's you know that's kind of on Arteta that's on the recruitment side of things and similarly um, you know, having a set piece coach, like we, we've talked about it. I think you mentioned it today when we were talking about it during the game, you know, attacking set pieces were good today. Defensively, um, not just set pieces, but balls being thrown into the box, especially in that last kind of half an hour. Um, the team seemed to know how to deal with those situations. Um, we seem to have some really good, uh, in terms of Ben White, Gabriel, um, Xhaka, Rob Holding, players who really quite enjoy um, the aerial battle and balls going, getting thrown into the box and them just doing everything to get it out and get it clear and, and winning headers and and winning those battles, um, which is really, really nice to see. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think that comes down to obviously the coaching and and, and implementing things like the um, the set piece, set piece coach, sorry. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, and I think we've sort of said it, it it's, it's, a, it's a it's a build up of build up's not the right term, but it's a um, you know going through. It's almost like this team are basically willing to fight for each other, and they've had to do that a few times this season. There's been some tough games, but they're coming away with. I think we've got like eleven, ten or eleven clean sheets in the league this season, which is pretty remarkable. I think it's only City and Liverpool who've got more, and not many more. I think City have got like thirteen or something. I was looking at it earlier. Um, so you know, for for a pretty young team with a you know, fairly inexperienced goalkeeper and two pretty young centre-backs. That's really, really impressive. Absolutely, mate. And let's reflect on the game more broadly, but even probably still sticking with this theme a little bit, because uh, I think it naturally is going to be the case. If we ignore the, the the period that we played with 10 men, we start the game with 11, as you know. The first half, let's reflect on the first half a little bit, because for me, it was, it was an, it, I had anxieties about how we might start the game because of the gap between, you know, when our last game was. And it feels like often when that happens, you're not always, you know, the pace of the game isn't quite there. Passes are a little bit shorter, etc. How did you feel we started? And were you were you pleased with how we set up and approached the game? And what did you think with uh, about how, how Wolves came across as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think... I thought it was a fairly even start to the game, like first 15, 20 minutes. I thought it was pretty tight, quite quite drab. Um, Martinelli started really lively, as he always does. You know, he was really kind of harassing the, the defence, trying to win the ball back. Um, he had a couple of good moments. 
Um, I think we struggled to get Saka into the game a little bit, or they did have that, you know, that really good, um, that really good, a bit of play where um, Laka almost scored um, with that one-two with Erdegaard. But I think, yeah, he was mm-hmm. fairly quiet. So, I mean, in terms of the overall performance in the first half leading up to the goal, I thought the goal kind of ca- like it wasn't a case of we were really dominating and the goal came as a result of that. I think it came, you know, it came from a set piece. Obviously, came a little bit out of the blue, and it was a really, really scrappy goal, which pro- which kind of um, which which aligns with kind of how the game was really. Um, so yeah, I mean, I we, it wasn't so much we looked um, like obviously look, we're fresh, we're fresh in terms of having pretty much a fully straight full strength team, and the players should all be you know ready to go. But you know, not quite. I guess um, having not played for so long, two and a half weeks or whatever it's been, there is that like you say that worry that they're not gonna they're gonna start a bit um, a bit slow. Um, I don't think it was either of, either of those things. I think it was just we came up against a team who. Um, are very dogged, very good defensively, um, and we probably struggled a little bit. You know, they've got a good, they've got good midfielders as well. Like I do like Neves um, in central midfield, and uh, I, th- I just think it was quite an even first half, and we just kind of got that little rub of the green, that little bit of um, like a little break basically for the goal, which sort of changed the game from that from that point on a little bit. And you know, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is I don't know if you noticed it, Raj, but like it did feel like once we scored, we did the same thing that we do do. This team does do, which is we don't go for the second. And again, look, it was it's not a difficult, it's not an easy place, sorry, to go to Molyneux. And Wolves have been good this season, um, and we know that they don't concede many goals. But um, it would be nice to start seeing that. Not that I'm complaining because we got the win today, but it would be nice to start seeing that kind of. Um, you know, we've got the first, let's take the game to them and try and get the second and almost kind of kill it off in, in, in the first half. I don't know if you've noticed that or thought that. I, I noticed it. What I also noticed, though, in a positive way is I, I felt like we came out of that quicker than we do normally. So it felt like we, you know, we scored the goal. Yes, there was a bit of caginess, but we've seen that caginess, I think, in games previously go on for 15, 20 minutes plus before it kind of feels like something might, and you know, if we get away with not conceding in that period, um, you know, we, we, we get a kick up the backside and change, but it felt like we, we sort of snapped out of that a little bit quicker this time. And, and I felt that we ended the first half quite well. And the second half, I remember sort of around that 55 minute period, the 60 minute period, basically the period before Martinelli got sent off, I thought we were playing some really good football and, and kind of seemingly kind of really frustrating Wolves. And there were Wolves were the ones making a lot of the kind of little frustrating kind of fouls, etc. Um, but I, I agree with what your consensus was generally in the first half, though. It felt like two managers who have a lot of attention to detail, who had given their players a lot of very specific instructions. And I think they were both willing to be relatively conservative. I saw what it felt like was two very well defensively coached teams playing today. Um, Neither was giving really anyone any space. Like you say, our goal was scrappy. I don't think we necessarily deserved it, but I don't think we didn't deserve it. I don't. I think any team who went behind would have felt a little bit hard done by at that point. Um, but the the goal itself came from an asset that we've had this season, which has been our set piece. Um, you know, our ability to uh, from from attacking set pieces, and in even more of a compliment to that, it's the first time that Wolves have conceded from a set yeah, piece this season. Yeah, so clearly they're a good team at defending it. Now, 
some people might say if we you know if we talk through kind of the actual how we scored itself some people would probably say okay actually but that's just a scrappy goal because ultimately it's not that it's been come from a direct header it's kind of come back out and then Ben White's headed it kind of back into play and then Lacquer's shown amazing desire to try and sort of get there and it's you know he's collided with the goalkeeper but then it's fallen to Gabriel and he scored a point I'd want to make though is that it feels like set piece coaches do a lot of work at the moment with their teams on the second ball about after the first phase of play, essentially. And they're very, very meticulous as to where they instruct their players to be so that when that ball comes back out, you know, people are Mm. in in positions to capitalize. So I don't think it's any, I don't think it's any um, sort of surprise or coincidence or, 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 or a bit of luck that Ben White was where he was and had the awareness to put it back in and Gabriel had the awareness to stay alert. I think that's something that they work on. Um, I mean, what did you think? Do, do, do you share that consensus? Do you think I'm being a bit uh, you know, generous? Um, I'll be honest, I hadn't actually sort of considered that or thought about that until you pointed it out, but it's a, you know, I guess we'll never we'll never know, right? Like if we start scoring loads of goals from corners or we start creating lots of chances from corners, which to be fair, I think we've been pretty good this season, then you could see there's clearly a trend and 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 you could maybe um attribute that attribute that to the the sort of work we're doing on the training ground. Um but yeah, no, it's a it's a it's an interesting point and like I can't disagree with it. Um I, I think the thing that stands out for me, and I, I think I said this earlier in the season when Smith Rowe was was um starting more games and he was our well, I think he was taking most of the corners on uh, the left hand, our left hand side. Um, I can't remember which side he would be taking them in from, but whichever side it was. And he he has a way of delivering corners, which are they, they, he just always seems to hit corners into um, you know into that area right in front of the keeper, hits them quite with a lot of pace and a lot of dip. Um, and that's what Martinelli called Martinelli's corner was like today as well. Um, it was a really, really dangerous corner and it all kind of stemmed from that where they couldn't clear the ball. And um, like you said, it landed, um, it landed where Ben or ben, ben White was able to put it back into the mixer as it were, um, which I've like, I've, I, I don't know, like these guys must be, they must be practicing not just the kind of the phases of a set piece or the phases of a corner and the second ball, like you say, Raj, but also just the delivery itself. Like we've, like me and you, you know, um, and going to games, how many times have we watching Arsenal and especially the frustration in the stadium when we've seen, we've been getting corners, you know, but we're generally a quite attacking team, especially at home, um, win a fair few corners and uh, it's hitting the first man. It's just constantly hitting the first man. Um, and they've definitely improved on that. And we seem to have obviously very, very good players when you think of Erdegaard and Saka and Smithrow and Martinelli, you know, very good players on the ball, very good technical players. And they seem to be able to deliver um, a very good cross from a corner as well, which is, um, which, yeah, something that I've definitely noticed as an improvement. Yeah, definitely. And, and long may it continue because I think if we're going to be a side that maybe lacks a centre forward who's going to score loads of goals, if we're going to play games where we're going to need to be a little bit cagey because, you know, we're going to play, you know, a game like Wolves away like this where it's not going to be that free-flowing, having set pieces in your locker is is super important, right? I mean, it's just, it's just great to have lots of different options in that way. Um, just moving on slightly to a slightly different topic. So... There was obviously a massive moment in the sending off and that in itself we should talk about. But just leading up to that sending off, it was a very interesting performance from Michael Oliver, I felt today, and the, and, and the team of officials. Uh, it, it felt like initially they really did try and manage the game without 
dishing out the cards. It felt like there were a number of things that happened where they could have dished out the cards and then sort of ramped up a little bit and then kind of just icing on the cake was the sending off itself. Before we just talk about the sending off itself, how did you think the refs performed today? Um, it was like, yeah, I, I, I know it's the same as what you said um, in regards to there were no yellow cards given. There were probably not too many bad tackles, maybe questionable on a couple in that first half an hour. But then Thomas Party, I think he was the first player to get booked and he seems to get booked for a, I mean, you could argue that's a yellow card challenge, but I, th- I feel like if he's let a lot of the other ones go, you could have probably let that one go as well. Um, I didn't really feel like it was a strong yellow card. And then I think um, literally a few minutes later, a Wolves player gets booked. Is it um, Sice, I think, gets booked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, that was a bit odd for me. Um, aside from that, I'm just sort of trying to think like how 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 Oliver performed otherwise. Um, I mean, look, to be honest, <laughs> for me, it's all about the, the red card. Because um, Let's talk yeah, about that. It's then, just, yeah. Talk us through it. Talk us through it. I mean, so uh, yeah. I mean, look when it happened. So when he when he gives the red card, he gives the two yellows and gives the red card. I hadn't really seen the first incident with Martinelli on the touchline where he's obviously like tried to block the throw in or whatever he's tried to do. Um, so I hadn't really seen that. So I was just completely baffled as to what had happened. From kind of similar to how Martinelli reacted, I just no no idea what had just gone on. Seeing it back, I mean, look. I think letter of the law, no. I'd say letter of the law. I can, I, I think if those two incidents happen in isolation, you could argue, you know, if you're in the receiving end of those, you could argue, yeah, they're both yellow cards. And by the letter of the law, you could argue they are both yellow cards. At the same time, I feel like the first one is incredibly soft. Like, do you, th- I don't know, do you think that if, let's just say um, in that scenario, Martinelli tries to kind of block the throw in, puts his arm up, whatever. Okay, if it hits his hand, he probably gets yellow. But if he just sorts of if he just sort of touches the player, like puts a bit of pressure on I don't know what you you know what I mean. Like he puts some puts his arm on the um Wolves uh player's shoulder, I think it is, as he's trying to take the throw in. Kind of prevents him from doing that. Normally what happens is the Wolves play the Wolves player will just be like, oh what the hell man? Like appeal to the ref and the ref will just go like just probably warn Marcelli. It's not like he's been committing fouls all game and then just tell him to take the throw in. So like, I don't know if you, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, that first incident just feels ridiculously soft. And then second, the second kind of issue I've got with this is just how he's decided to manage the whole situation. Like yeah, yeah. it just, it just feels like there was just absolutely no need. Like it is, it is silly from Martinelli and you can see he's a bit wound up from losing the ball, uh, whatever's happened. And he's obviously just charging forward. And the second one is a yellow card, but at the same time, surely, surely just to kind of not, I mean, look, it didn't ruin the game. And if you're Wolves, um, you're obviously going to want a red card. But more so, not so much... I'm, I'm just thinking of it could have potentially ruined the game. If Wolves had gone on to win the game and we kind of crumbled because we've gone down to 10 men, you know, arguably that's that, that sending off has had a massive, massive impact. I guess we're still talking about it because it's still very, very a very, very odd yeah, yeah, yeah. passage of play, as it were. But if we'd gone on to lose a game, we'd be, we'd be like focusing on that more than probably a, a number of other things that we're talking about. But um, yeah, that was kind of my thoughts on it. I don't know if you, I don't know if you feel differently or not. I mean, loads of, th- loads of thoughts, including everything that you've said. I think one of the things is that if, if he had given a yellow card and just a yellow card, I don't think there'd been one Wolves player who would have been demanding yeah. for a, a sending off. Right. I, right. And that's a really interesting situation to be in. Uh, secondly, what I'd say is 
initially when the first incident happened, I was really worried that it that the ref didn't spot it and it was going to go to VAR because I, because it happened so quickly. I was worried that effectively it looked like he'd lashed out and hit him in the face. And so my concern was that's going to go to VAR and he's going to get sent off. Now, in slow motion, like when, when you look at it back, it definitely doesn't look as bad because it basically does look like he's 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 reacting in anger, which arguably, therefore, regardless of whether he's made contact with the elbow or the face or whatever, if the referee thinks he's flung his arm around in anger, then I believe that's a yellow card. But but you know, it's it, it isn't it hasn't hurt the player. He's he's literally like. He, for me, it feels like he's got frustrated. He he um, he didn't get the foul. He doesn't want the player to get an advantage by running. So he's kind of flung his arm out more to just almost hold yeah. off the player. Yeah. So so it does. So so you know, overall, when you look at it kind of that way, you think, okay, yeah, like look, it's a little bit harsh. But then you know, the second the second one is probably a yellow card offense. But it's just one of those things where it was managed in such a way where Michael Oliver, the moment he blew his whistle he was very clear what he wanted to do. He was immediately pointing to the two things. He said, yellow, yellow, like you're off. It wasn't like in this period, he kind of had a doubt and that it felt like he had, he had a very clear idea in his mind. That's what he was going to do. Now I feel really conflicted by this in a, in, a, in a number of ways, because on one hand, I do feel it was really stupid for Martinelli to do what he did because he's clearly got wound up. He's clearly annoyed and he's kind of like stretched his arm out in the first instance. So he sort of knows that's the bit where he's kind of got his anger out. You'd hope, Mm -hmm. but he's just sprinted down and committed another foul. So you sort of think, mate, I bet in your wildest dreams, you didn't think you're going to get sent off fair enough, but there's just still no need for two acts of petulance in such a small kind of period of time, because you're bound to at least get one yellow. And, you know, ultimately it's come out with something kind of even worse. So, I'm kind of annoyed at Martinelli for being really petulant and just unnecessary. But as well, I, I agree with you in that I, I think it was just managed really, really badly. And for me, it comes back to my original point, which is that if he gave a yellow, there's no Wolves player that was going to complain. Yeah. Right. And I think and I think the other thing is normally, you know, normally a player gets a yellow, they have time to then kind of reset and decide how they're going to approach the rest of the game, right? Yeah. I mean, Marcel is not that kind of player where he's going to go around committing fouls that are going to warrant yellow cards. He's not a Xhaka, he's not a party, he's not a battling central midfielder. But at the same time, if he gets the yellow for the first one and he gets a warning, he probably, you know, um, changes his attitude in the game and thinks about challenges that he's going to go into, etc. uses his common sense a bit more. And he wasn't given the chance to do that. And that's really frustrating. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where that's ever, I, I don't know, I don't think mm. that's ever happened Probably has happened in the Premier League. I've just never seen it. But yeah, I can't think of a situation where there's something something like that's ever happened before. Well, Martin Keown said that on the commentary on the kind of post-match. He sort of mentioned that there there's arguably a moral ob- obligation for the referee to have you know blown initially or 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 you know not given two yellows for the reason that you said that basically saying that if he doesn't know that he's going to get a yellow for the first one, then it's harsh because if he does know that he's going to get a yellow for the first one he probably doesn't do that challenge for the second one so he said is there a moral obligation there i suppose the argument against that is that in a normal situation the referee plays advantage which he basically was doing and in that situation if another player was to have fouled the wolves player 
then it's quite possible for that other player to be given a yellow and for the referee to give Martinelli the yellow for the initial incident. So it's still possible, I guess what I'm saying, is for the referee to play advantage and yellow card Martinelli for the original foul and yellow card another Arsenal player if they were to have fouled. Mm. You know, do you know what I mean? So you could argue that should it therefore be different if it's the same player or should the same rule apply? I guess the problem is this stuff never really happens and this is maybe by the letter of the law, yeah, he 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 arguably had the right to do it. But, you know, I think we both agree he didn't need to do what he did and no one would have criticised him if he had just given a yellow card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you know what, mate? The other thing, right? We came into the second half with two central midfielders on a yellow card. Partey, Xhaka both had yellows. Gabriel ended up getting a yellow quite soon, quite early in the first half, for second half for time-wasting on 60 minutes, right? Was he? So, I, so um, again, I was just going to ask, was he actually time-wasting or was it harsh from the ref? I, th- I think it was hard. I, I do think we were playing quite slowly. and You know, mm. I think we were taking our time over the stuff. I, I, but, you know, should he have got a yellow? I'm not really sure. But the point is, there were three players on yellows. All three of those players have been sent off recently. So mm. if you're going to put money on a red card, it's going to be one of those. I don't think anyone was going to say that Martinelli is going to be the player to get sent off, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy times. And then obviously we finished, um, you know, with nine players in 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 the Wolves away game last season. So, you know, when Martinelli goes, you're fearing the worst. But hey ho, like it, you know, it wasn't to be, and 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 we managed to hold on. Um, but just g- going on for some of the subs that kind of happened. So obviously one of the subs that happened came before the sending off. It was Smith Rowe that came on for Odegaard, yeah. and um, but then as soon as sending off happened, Saka came off uh, and Holding came on. Mm. So what did you think, particularly, I think, you know, the ESR Odegaard, so, I, mean, I, I mean, unless you disagree, it feels like just a, not a like for like, but yeah, okay, cool. Just, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a number 10 being switched for a number 10 or whatever. But the Saka holding thing, mm. uh, what did you think about that substitution? Yeah, I think at the time, I mean, look, um, when it when he took him off, I'm sort of thinking, well, he's not played for, I'm talking about Saka, obviously it's a tactical substitution, but, um, well, let me, let me start again what I was going to say. I I was quite surprised that he did he made that sub straight away because it's obviously an attacking player that's been sent off. Um, I think, and obviously, obviously Arteta's preempting you know balls coming into the box, which is exactly what happened, and kind of having to defend backs against the wall. I thought it was quite. I I was quite. I was surprised that he did it straight away, basically. Um, but in hindsight, um, on reflection, you know, it was actually a very very good sub because. All of those, well, not all of them, but a number of those balls that were coming in, it was Rob holding on the end on the end of them or heading them away, um, and that kind of thirty minute cameo that he he had, um, I can't think of him putting a foot wrong really. So he just did exactly what he needed to do, um, which is to, to be honest, you know, Rob holding is you kind of can get normally get seven out of tens from him. Um, so so yeah, I mean, look, look I it, it, the only thing the only thing is it pretty much just nullified us going forward. We, every time we had the ball, um, we pretty much, you know, were trying to get it to ESR. And I think ESR was just trying to carry the ball as far, as far forward as he could. Um, ended up running out of steam or getting tackled because there's just no support. Lacker's not really keeping up with him. Um, there was not really anyone else um, going forward with him. Um, and the ball was just coming back down and coming back into our box and, and, and we were having to defend again. So that was the kind of only frustrating thing. But in terms of the actual sub, it worked out really well. Um, I was quite surprised actually that Wolves were just chucking as many balls into the box as they were understand why 
um when you're down when you're one man up it seems like the 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 sort of thing that you know the thing to do to to try and make a breakthrough and to be fair they almost did a couple of times the ball there were a couple of like hairy moments for us but yeah like i said before i feel like we just dealt with a lot of those aerial balls really really well and and yeah holding did a did a good job in that time he was on it's interesting because i think that for me i think the reason why they had to do that is almost the byproduct of 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 something that you just mentioned about us not having an outlet so i think you know, clearly Arteta's used to having to think about what you do with, when you when you down to 10 men. Um, and I think in this instance, what he said is, I'm going to pack, I'm going to pack the centre of the pitch, right? I'm going to have a proper bank of five at the back and I'm just going to pack the centre of the pitch with just kind of, you know, fairly industrious kind of players. Like I'm not going to worry about my outball. I'm not going to worry about, you know, someone being able to, you know, a Pepe or whatever, you know, which we can come on to in a second again. And, and I think because of that, Wolves couldn't go through centrally. They felt they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't break us down through the middle. They had to basically say, all right, well, ultimately we're going to just have to play the percentages. And that is when we've got holding in the team, like you've mentioned, it feels like with holding white Gabrielle, they, they love that. It feels like they, 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 they're really up for that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the result, whatever the result is, you look back on and you analyze the game in a different way. And now it feels like because we've come away and won, well, it's a genius decision by Arteta to, to, to <laughs> yeah, set the team yeah, up exactly. like he did when we were 10 men. Do you know what I mean? But let's talk about that the third sub, right? Because I do want to talk about Lacquer himself. So Lacquer comes off, Eddie comes on. We should, let's talk about whether that's the right one, uh, you know, the right person to come on in a second. But Laka himself, how did you think he played in the game? Because I, I do want to, I'm going to bring something up that you said in our WhatsApp group. You know, you 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 mentioned that you had a feeling that Laka was going to, um, I think the word you said was bang. He's going to bang from now <laughs> until the end of the season. Um, I think I said that uh, um, uh, as, soon as, as soon as the transfer window shot. I was like, <laughs> I've accepted, we're not signing, we haven't signed anyone. Laka's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, you're being, yeah. Look, you're being, a, you're going to be a great, optimistic fan, of course. Like, but um, look, look, um, you know, this isn't a loaded question. In your opinion, talk me through Laka's performance today. Um, so I think, I think he had a pretty good game in terms of what we know Laka's going to offer you. Um, he was kind of trying to disturb the defense quite a bit, um, chasing down balls, all of that kind of stuff, pressing well. Um, getting involved, you know, when getting involved um, in terms of, yeah, just like I said, trying to win the ball back. Um, however, uh, if you, when you assess his performance, you have to consider the chance he missed, which is just like you said, you said this in the WhatsApp chat, like if it, it, at that point, if we went on to lose the game, that missing that chance is basically unforgivable. Um, fortunately, that didn't obviously happen. Um, and even the one in the first half, I, I'm I'm not sure. I like I feel like he could have done a bit better with it. Like he hit hit it straight at the keeper. It's not the easiest chance. I don't know if you the one I'm talking about is the one where Saka, yeah, yeah, it's the, the yeah Saka one, Saka yeah, yeah. one two guard and he plays it across the face of the box and um across the box. Sorry, and um yeah, he hits it first time and he just hits it straight at Sars uh, at Sar. But yeah, like I think I think that second the, the 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 what I'm kind of judging him on to be honest, apart from his overall performance, is he had a great opening. Um, very little pressure on him, no pressure on him, basically, through on goal um, at a point in the game where we've obviously just been, just gone down to 10 men. Um, he's got all the time in the world to pick a spot. 
um, it's like a striker's dream type of chance. You know, it's an it's a Thierry Henry chance where it's an it's a Bam, it's an Abamyang chance, isn't it? You know, bend it with your right into the mm. far corner, and he tries to do that, and he just gets it. He just gets the execution wrong. And look, I, I saw on Twitter afterwards, he got quite a bit of abuse, and it's always going to happen. And everyone calling him rubbish, and you know, going back to the window, why we should have signed someone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, from, from it, it hasn't cost us, so it's almost like he's kind of got away with it a little bit. If we'd have ended up conceding, mm-hmm. um, that miss, that miss would look a lot, lot worse. So, um, but at the end of the day, man, like in terms, you know, he is what we have got for the rest of the season. Yeah. And so, I can't really see there being too many games unless he goes through a really bad run. It's not even that he if he doesn't score goals. It's more if he has bad performances, i.e. everything I talked about before where he's in the team to, you know, drop deep, link up play, um, press, etc. Um, he's not in the team to be making runs um, on the last man, um, uh, as, as, as we know. So in terms of his performances, if they dip, they'd have to dip quite a bit for Eddie to be brought in as as, you know, starting Premier League games going forward. The only other option is like Martinelli or he does some false nine uh set up or something but yeah so he's got he is what we've got um so we're gonna have to back him it's probably partly why i'm being fairly kind to him in my assessment of his performance what did you think i don't i I actually agree with everything you said there's not i don't really want to kind of go over it all again because i think you've, you've kind of really summarized it perfectly i think regardless of those chances missed and like you said i think in particular that chance when we went down to 10 men um, for a number of reasons, you know, captain number nine, that, you know, that kind of moment really needed that composure that you'd expect from did, from a half did you, decent. Did you think nine. he was going to score when he went through? Like, what would you, were you confident? That's a really good question. Really good question. I didn't, but I thought he'd hit the target. I, yeah, that's the same. I thought he was going to hit the target. I thought he was going to score. To be fair, um, because I think if you hit the target, you're going to score unless you, you know, you you don't have to even hit the corner really. Yeah, because you've got, yeah. you've pretty much got the whole goal to aim at. Um, and you can either, you know, you can either put it right in the corner or you can give the keeper the eyes and send him one way and put it the other way or take it further forward and try and dink him. I don't know. There's, he had a number of options. But yeah, sorry, you were saying. No, what I was saying is, like you say, you, you analyse a game so differently depending on the result. And, you know, because we won, like like you say, it probably doesn't need to be analysed in, in that much of a detail. And in fact, we could probably focus on some of the good things that he did, which was, he's putting in these amazing shifts for me week in week out where he really is working so hard setting great examples drawing so many fouls mm. being a real nuisance and you know the the goal a lot of the work uh, the goal that we scored a lot of it was down to that work that he did that desire to kind of you know go for the ball and 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 cause a bit of kind of confusion and kind of collide with the keeper in that instance so you know, in a way, because of that and because of just the overall kind of effort that he had put in in the game, willing to sort of let it pass. But it, it's it's more of a question for me that, again, we got away with it today, but we... And Lacquer is the best that we have. I completely agree with that. He's the best that we've got. And it's going to take... It's going to take a lot, personally, for me to think that, uh, you know, Eddie should be starting instead of him. But I just wonder if they're going to be a few more games where, and we saw against Burnley mm. where actually you really do need to put, put away your chance. Um, it didn't cost us today, but look, hopefully, hopefully it won't cost us going forward. 
I do think that it's the right formula, though. I don't think that it's Eddie. I don't think that it's any other kind of funky solution which sees Pepe there. I don't think Martinelli at centre-forward is necessarily our answer either because, as we saw today, in that first half in particular, I thought when things weren't really going very well for us in terms of we weren't really putting that much together, this guy, Martinelli's energy and his ability to run with the ball in those wide areas was a real problem still. Mm. You know, we didn't have to be clicking as a team. He really has that in his locker. If you put him as a central striker in our system, he loses that because he's going to play with back to back yeah. to goal for so much yeah. of it. For me, that's not the solution. So, you know, it is what it is. We, we, we kind of go with it. Were you surprised when he did go off that it was Eddie that came on and not Nicholas Pepe? Yeah, I mean... Um... Uh, I, I, or anyone else? No, I was I was thinking it would be Pepe. I was saying again, we were talking in our WhatsApp group. Aaron and said the same thing. Um, you know, why is Pepe not come on? I thought the same thing when it was Eddie. Um, I guess based on Arteta's recent substitutions, I say recent going back last six eight weeks. Um, it's generally been Eddie. Um, even despite you know before Afcon, um, Pepe hasn't really been getting much of a look in. Um. I mean, for me, the thing that I felt we needed was an outlet. So just an out ball, um, maybe Pepe kind of keeping a couple of defenders back um, and, you know, just having that option of a ball kind of over the top where Pepe can run onto it. I don't know if Eddie necessarily offers you that and he doesn't really offer the ability to hold the ball up either. So a little bit surprised just from what I thought we needed tactically, but not that surprised based on Arteta's previous subs um, in recent games. Um, yeah, and he was all right, Eddie, when he came on. I mean, look, he didn't really, there wasn't there wasn't, there wasn't too much for him to do apart from um, get himself about and just, you know, put himself in the right positions defensively and, and try and win the ball back. Um, he didn't really have anything else to do, did he? So, yeah. Now, did you think Lacquer was taken off because he was tired? Was there an injury thing there? or it just, um, because... I, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about an injury. No, because I was just confused because because if he if he had gone off and if it was Pepe that came on, for example, then I could understand that there's a bit of a tactical thing there or, or, or whatever. But but like you say, I think with Eddie, it doesn't in that situation for me. He's not offering. He's not. There's not really a different skill set that's coming in to deal with the situation that we're in than Lacquer. You know. Than, than Lacquer had. So and and Lacquer was working so hard. So look, I, I guess it was just. I, I hope you know. I hope there's no fitness concern there. Um, but um, but look anyway. Uh, the man of the match, the official man of the match, was given to Gabriel. Who for you were your standout players or player today? Uh, so yeah, I mean Gabriel definitely stood out. Even obviously his goal defensively, he was he was very good. As was Ben White, but also even the ball. I don't know if you really noticed it, it was his ball through for lack of chance. Did you see that through ball was actually a really, really oh, no, I did, I did. yeah, yeah, it was actually a really good through ball. Um, so I mean, I probably wouldn't disagree with Gabriel. You could, you could argue Ben White. Um, I thought, not to say he was man of the match, but I thought Cedric actually had a very, very solid game. Um, and that's nice to see because we obviously don't know when Tommy Asu is going to be back, hopefully soon. But if he's not back for the next game, then, um, it, it's good if Cedric obviously has a bit of form, um, under his belt. Um, Apart from that, I was I wasn't impressed with Thomas Party again. To be honest, like yeah, okay, he did he did well generally, but there were some weird eccentric moments from him. Like the whole, <laughs> just the misplaced passes is the main thing for me. Like really weird decisions um, 
like there was there was one in the first half where he's we, we, we're under a bit of pressure and all you need to do like the ball comes to him and all he needs to do is just hoof it just clear it and he tries to pass it out and we lose the ball and we've and you know he's, he's misplaced it and it's and, we, and they're they're attacking us again there were a couple of other ones in central midfield where it's a kind of area you just can't afford to lose position. It was one of these games where it felt like I, just, I was just waiting for the moment where basically him or Xhaka were going to give the ball away and they just they just win the ball and go up the other end and, and score. It just didn't happen, um, thankfully. But yeah, like I wasn't over, over, overly impressed with him, being completely honest. Um, but again, he's he's the he's the best we're going to, we've got, so we have to go with him. And not to say that not to say I want him dropped or anything like that, but you know, there's no other options basically, right? Um, go on. What are you going to say? Sorry. It's interesting because actually, I see. I don't really. I don't. I don't really agree. Actually, because I. So I agree that there were a number of times. I think particularly in the first half that he was doing kind of classic kind of thing that we've seen him do a lot of, which is basic passes really badly and underhitting some passes and just you know basically making a straightforward situation into a really dangerous one for us. Uh, th- there were a couple of times he did that. But I did feel that overall, particularly in the second half, and particularly the fact that you know they were both on yellow cards, I felt Xhaka and Partey did a really good job of keeping their heads and doing what they really were supposed to do in terms of protecting that back four and being relatively calm and being relatively kind of composed at getting us out of pressurised situations. So times where I think it would be easy for the ball to go back into our our defensive third and 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 um, and Wolves would have obviously wanted that to happen. There were a number of times where I felt that Partey in particular did well under pressure to kind of turn the ball around and actually kind of go back forward and get it get it out of a dangerous situation. So yeah, like I I think I think overall, maybe it's because I felt that given they both had yellow cards in the first half, one of them was bound to get sent off. Maybe because of that, I was pleasantly surprised you know, that, that didn't. You know happen. what it is, mate, right? I just expect a lot more from him because of his price yeah. tag, probably, because of his like reputation, his age club he came from experience all of that you know i just expect a lot more um, even even the decision that he made when and i i started swearing in our whatsapp group like the ball came out to him um and and he shot and he slipped and he just cocked it all up and finally slipped you know you can say oh he slipped you know it's not you know it's not his fault and just whatever but like how many times has he just tried to do something on, from 25 yards out and it just has never gone right. Like he's not scored as far as I can remember. And he's not really looked that close to scoring. It was like he was getting closer and closer and closer game by game. And, you know, he's back. I don't know. But um, so like even these, just the decision-making for me, I just want someone, I want him to just be better in that area. Um, it's just some, sometimes it feels like he's fantastic on the ball where he can actually hold onto it for a second longer and then it opens up a pass that wasn't there because he's decided to, yeah, he's decided to hold on to it for a second longer and it works. And then sometimes he does it and it doesn't work and he's pressed, he's pressed and he loses the ball. And all of a sudden the Jack is out of position and we're, we're, we're screwed. Um, and yeah, that, that's my worry. It's just like, like I said, I just expect a little bit more, which is probably why I'm being quite harsh on him. I think it's, Hey man, I think it's fair. I think from, so if you take that, that element of it, the context of, this is a player that was signed at the peak of his powers from a very, very kind of big club and and uh, and all the rest of it. Yeah, man. I like undoubtedly, I think overall the guy has underperformed in an Arsenal shirt and even games like today, like 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 you say, where well, yeah, like you know, there are things that he did well. You still don't expect him to do almost. You don't expect him to do anything bad 
given a player of that caliber, mm. you know? So uh, I'm completely with you uh, uh, from, from that perspective, um, for sure. Um, listen, so I guess whatever, you know, everything we, we, we've talked about, I think overall we agree it's a really positive day to be an Arsenal fan. It's a really positive day for the team, for the coaching staff. How big a win do you think this is? How big a result do you think this is in the context of what's happened over the last day or so, two days with regards to fixtures? So yesterday, Tottenham lost at home to Southampton. Um, The day before, Man United drew with Burnley. Yes, West Ham won, but, you know, the table now... Um, looks pretty interesting and and a lot more. It's funny how in one kind of you know round of fixtures that everything can just change at the moment. And so Arsenal is sitting in fifth place right now on thirty nine points, having played twenty two games. So level on points with Man United, but played one game less. Um, Tottenham are three points behind us, but they've played a game less. And West Ham are fourth, you know, above us, just one point above us, and they've played two games more than us. In the context of therefore everything, mate, how how important was this result? So, I mean, look, it, it's it's a huge, it's potentially a huge, huge result for our season. Um, I, I so I didn't expect us to win today. I don't think you expected us to win today. I thought we'd draw. No, I thought it would be the kind of game that it was, but it was very tight. You know, Wolves don't concede very many, um, uh, and. Yeah, I, I really didn't expect us to win. And I was looking at the next three games. So um, Wolves, Brentford, Wolves. Um, and I thought I thought we'd draw today, we'd win one of the other two and draw one of the other two. I wasn't sure which one, one of the other two home games and we'd get five points. So it set us up really, really nicely now for two home games that, you know, if we can go and win, and we always say this, you know, you look at the next few fixtures and say, if we can get six out of six points or whatever if we can if we can do that though which are which is definitely attainable obviously two home games that we should win we should win um we're we put ourselves in a very very good position for for dare i say it top four um and i think you know if you put this result in the context of kind of what's happened recently right so the whole transfer window um situation if you want to call it that not signing anyone not signing a striker what's happened with the Bamiyang um the the results that we had in January you know we didn't we didn't really score any goals we only scored like one or two goals in January we didn't win we haven't won this year I don't think if I'm if I'm not wrong yeah we haven't won right uh, in 2022 no. yeah so obviously the start of the year the start you know we've got more more red cards than goals <laughs> yeah there you go so um you know if you put if you add that into the mix as well and like you say, the results over the last couple of nights, it's it's huge. It's huge. But I think we also need to just kind of keep our feet on the ground a little bit. Like I keep I keep telling myself the target for the season was never top four. Well, I don't, I don't think it was. Maybe maybe it was, but I don't, maybe that was a stretch target. But I personally don't think it was ever top four. It was getting into the top six and, and um, you know, getting European football again. Um, so... I think there's going to be like, this is the thing, right? Our squad is so small. It's only going to take a Gabriel and a party injury or whatever before we're really struggling. Um, And we're already out. We're already now no Martelli for the next game. So it's already started, right? We're already one, one man down. Um, We've got a squad of like 17 or 18 senior players. So who's, who's to say like, I have no idea what's going to happen. 
our running's pretty good. We've obviously got tough games as everyone has, but we've been to quite a few of the tough, you know, been to Anfield, been to um, Old Trafford, we've been to Man City. So um, a few of those 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 games that we probably would expect to lose are out of the, that we don't need to worry about them anymore. Um, and there's quite a few six-pointers left to go with the likes of obviously West Ham, United and, and Spurs. So um, it's definitely, like top four is definitely attainable. But like I said, I keep telling myself, as good as this result was today, as big as this result was today, I... I, 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 like I said, I still think, you know, kind of feet on the ground, take it game by game, um, see what happens. But, you know, if we don't get top four, we don't get top four. I don't think that necessarily means that from where we are now, if we don't get it, it's a failure. I don't, I, I don't go, I don't, you know, I don't go with that kind of notion. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you, particularly on the injuries point. Mm. Um, I think the other concern for me is, the three games that we still have to be rescheduled, you know, which don't have dates confirmed yet, are three hard games. They're probably our hardest games. Mm. You know, it's Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Arsenal. Those, you know, those those three games are probably our hardest fixtures and we don't know when they're going to be yet. So those have the potential of really, depending on when they drop in, like have the potential of really, really kind of screwing things up. Because at the moment... Like I say, if you look, if you look at the rest of the the kind of set of our, our fixtures in chunks, if you look at all the chunks in isolation, the chunks there's no real chunk that looks that bad. Say like of of, of five fixtures, but these three fixtures can can come in and screw everything up. So currently, like you said, this Wolves game with this Wolves game uh, that we've just played now, if you look at the chunk of five, let's just say that 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 came in or well, that's going to come in, right? You've got Brentford. We play Brentford at the Emirates next. Then we've got Wolves at the Emirates next. Then we're away at Watford. And then we're at home at Leicester, uh, home home to Leicester. Out of those five games, Wolves away for me is quite comfortably the hardest. Mm. Yeah. So we've come away with a win there. So that makes me feel very optimistic coming into these games, particularly, I think, you know, because even with our home record, um, you know, we, we've, we've, we very, very, very rarely lose at home. We lost to Chelsea and and we lost to Man City, right? Um, and and so you'd hope to think that we're going to get some points on the board. We're also going to come into a period soon where the Champions League is going to kick back off, and then you know Man United are going to have Champions League fixtures. If we play Liverpool and Chelsea and uh, you know uh, you know around times where they've got Champions League fixtures again, that might you know help us a little bit. We don't, we don't know. So there's loads of like twists and turns that can happen. But I agree with you in the sense that. I didn't come into the season thinking that we were going to finish top four. Like top six was definitely the target. The way the season's panned out, the way the season's panned out, the problem that we might have as fans that we're going to need to digest is if we finish sixth, let's just say from, from where we are right now, it would mean that it's likely that we're probably going to lose a few more games. Mm. And every time we lose a game, there's obviously a huge reaction. There's obviously a huge inquest. So it'll be interesting to see as fans how we digest that feeling. If, you know, we do lose a few more games. And yes, if we finish sixth, which like you point out, is something that I think, you know, we would all accepted. There's a difference between being able to take a step back and accept that than it is when you're living through these games week by week and, you know, seeing the results yeah. and seeing how they pan out. So it, it's it's interesting. Like I personally like agree with you. I think this this result is massive. Uh, and and we've just got to go. We've just got to just kind of build from here. It's it's a shame that Martinelli's out for the next game. But if there's one position that you think that maybe we've got options, it's those wide positions. 
you think the next game ESR will just come and slot straight in mm. really. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and Hey, you know, we, we've still got Pepe there as well. So, um, so, okay, mate, look, uh, I think to be honest, given we've got a little while since, um, till, till, till the next game, we've got Brentford in 10 days, yeah. nine days, 10 days. Uh, so it's next Saturday. So we'll do a little episode before that, where we'll preview that game. Obviously there's, probably not a huge that'll ch- a huge amount that, that'll change between now and then but um there's no point us previewing it now so look is there anything else that you you want to add Myers, before we sign off um i was just going to say like on the, just one one um kind of response not really a response but you made the point about you know we are what you said was if if we end up finishing six from the position we're in now it means we would have lost a few games and the reaction off the back of that and um like two things really. One is we are going to lose. Like we're not going to we're not going to go undefeated for the rest of the, rest of the season, right? So even if we finish top four, we're still going to have probably lost a couple more than a couple of games. Um, mm. It feels like no one really wants top four at the moment, anyway. So I think it's just going to be up and down. Um, and the other thing, the whole like the, the point you made about the reaction is is true. It's, that is going to happen. That's going to come. It's just like I don't know about you, but like I don't like saying it because it makes it makes me it makes us sound like. We're in, we're 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 better fans than than those that don't. But going to matches or going to home matches um, and go well, just going to matches, it's a very very different vibe um, in the fan base in the stadium when you're in the pub before or after the game talking with other fans and between ourselves etc. It's a very very different vibe to what you see on social media. So we're obviously on social media as the Arsenalics, and you know we're um, putting this out there on YouTube and you know Twitter and all the rest of it. Um, and and like i guess i guess the point i'm trying to make is yeah just basically what i said like it's it's what the reaction that we will have after we lose the game even after the burnley result which was really really disappointing i don't think any of us overreacted or you know throwing our toys out the pram or saying Arteta oh, out or slating no. the players it was very much you know this is a process you know as much as people don't like that word this is a process this is a project this is a a young team um, all of those things and more. Um, so it is gonna. There are going to be results like that. It's going to take time. Today's result could have easily been very, very different. You know, it's not like we went there and we created loads of chances and we came away with a one 0 win, but deserved. I wouldn't even say we necessarily deserved a win. Yes, you could could say that, but result could have easily gone the other way. So, so yeah, just just the whole kind of reaction thing. There's nothing we can do about it. That is what it is. That is kind of like how um, that is football med- football and social media now. Um, it's very, very uh, normal, but um, yeah, I just just wanted to say that. Really, you know, we we see it from going to games. The the vibe, the vibe, and the, the is very different. And hundred percent, like hundred percent, I would say, well, I say hundred percent, ninety nine percent of fans in the stadium get behind the team and get behind the players. Even that Burnley game, even when we got you know lost to Chelsea or we're getting thrashed to City uh, against City or Liverpool. Um, generally, the support in the stadium is. I say more than generally, like I said, ninety nine percent. There might be the odd person, but otherwise, um, majority of the fan base is is behind the team um, and behind what we're trying to do. And that's why I say, you know, sixth, even where we are now, even if we end up winning the next couple of games, we get into the top four and we're sitting two, three, four points clear of whoever's fifth. Um, even if we, st- even then, if we finish sixth, come the end of the season, I'll be disappointed. Of course, I'll be disappointed. It will be a an opportunity missed but you know that that's it it goes as far as that it's not uh oh Arteta's failed and you know he's 
you know we need to change the whole team again and you know this plays crap and that plays crap it's you know that that's that's the thing that i just i just don't really like to be honest but like i said you've got to live with it a little bit because that's just the how it is at the moment or this day and age it's hard isn't it like sometimes i i get drawn in on twitter to various kind of debates and i, guess, I saw you on the other day go, go, go <laughs> what did you tweet the other day that was yeah, funny go. Which, which was one that got loads of replies. Um, oh, I've gone. Oh, it was. Oh, it was about. It was about um, Ober and Barcelona and yeah. whatever. Like so. So here's the thing, right? So just to go on a bit of a segue, here's my issue with with Arsenal Twitter in particular is that everything has to be so binary. Like so. So with with the you know everything is is apparently on you know when it comes to Arsenal everything has to be black or black or white. You have to be on someone's side. And that's what really frustrates me. So the Oba Arteta thing is a really good example. It felt like so many people on social media had to pick a side. They had to either just be like, well, Oba's completely in the right here and Arteta's an absolute bastard. Or they had to be like, well, Oba's just evil. He's just this menace. Da, da, da. And I think what I was trying to get at when I tweeted that was that if Oba is successful in in Barcelona and if he scores goals at Barcelona that for me has got nothing to do with whether Arteta did the right thing or not you need to separate these two things I know some people say well that's just a stupid thing to say because if he if he scores goals at Barcelona then then clearly he can still score goals there's so many different things that you have to take into account that it's you could do a whole podcast Mm -hmm. on that so I'm not going to get into it but the point is everyone seems to have to pick a side but there are very few people who are saying do you know what I'm I'm fine with the fact that we've moved on fr- from Ober. Maybe that was the right thing to do. I'm, I'm fine that we're moving in a certain direction. And I'm also really going to root for Ober at Barcelona. I still want Ober to do well. And it feels like there's a very small percentage of people who are visible on Twitter that feel that way. It feels like it's very binary. So I think that just frustrates me a little bit with, with, uh, with Arsenal Twitter. But I think I remind myself a lot of the time that it's just not real. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, it's just not yeah. real. Like, you've got no, you don't know who's behind a lot of these accounts. You, someone who could be very vocal about Arsenal or whatever, they might not be a real fan. They might not be a fan at all. They might just be someone who's just really bored and just loves kind of like trolling and moaning and whatever. Um, you know, you don't, so you just don't know. And so, um, you know, like you say, and I, I don't want to sound really sanctimonious because I've had that accusation on Twitter before when I've referenced, when people have criticised, you know, Arsenal or whatever, and I've said, to be honest, you know what, like 99% of fans in the ground are completely supportive of this player or this manager or whatever. And I immediately get someone will just come back and say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's such bullshit. Like, you know, think fans in the in the stadium are the biggest fans and, like, you know, do you think that, that if you don't go to games, you're not a fan? And that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I can comment on is like what you're commenting on and what this podcast in theory, you know, a big core principle of this podcast is, is that we are fans who go to games. So we can comment on what it's like at games. Yeah. We can comment on what it's like talking to the fans at games because we are at the games that doesn't mean we're we're you know better or worse or whatever it's not really about that but it is interesting that the fans at games like you say in a in a very very kind of you know general way but but you know it feels like the vast majority are incredibly connected to this team and where it's going Mm. yeah and that is not you know necessarily evident on the rest of twitter so 
you know, take it or leave it. That's sort of what I try to say to people on Twitter. It's like, don't play. I'm telling you, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger here. I'm telling you what it's like in the, in the stadium. And I agree with it. I love it. I love the fact that we're so connected, mm. you know, as a, as an Arsenal fan base in, in that stadium with the manager, with the players. I love it. And I don't think it's, there's anything about, you can't, you can't point to us in the stadium and say that we don't have ambition and we don't, we, we, we don't care about Arsenal winning it, but one, it's just we've got a bit more context. I feel sometimes, you know, when you know, I feel like a lot of the fans in the in the ground are applying appropriate context. A lot of fans who don't go to games also apply. Don't get me wrong, but it's important, I think, to to know that it's not always the be all and end all. It's not always about winning every single game. It's not always like that can be what you aspire to, but you have to get there in a certain way. And I love the direction the team's going in, and it feels that you know. Uh, everyone at least from the you know from my experience of being at the games it feels like the, you know the vast majority of that stadium is so um it's a good company it's a good community to be a part definitely. of it feels like definitely yeah you know? yeah no well said mate can't disagree all right rant over <laughs> um cool all right well on that note yeah. till next time um it's a really random one but mm. like i so because i'm in um i'm in denmark for the next two days I'm in a city called Aarhus. Um, and I know that like, I think that genuinely we've got about three listeners from Denmark. <laughs> so, you know, if any of our three Danish listeners um, happen to live in Aarhus, please let me know. And, um, and uh, I will buy you a drink. Awesome. That would be, how amazing so, would that uh, be if someone cool. actually like replies <laughs> or messages or something and says, and that means they listen to the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You should have said that at the start. Exactly. Then, yeah. uh, no, no, no. Hey, you know, if they didn't listen to the end, they just missed out on a free drink, right? <laughs> so there you go. Nice All right, one. mate. Nice All right, one. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate the support as always. So take care and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers, Roger. Bye-bye.